Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. Turn to Genesis chapter 17. And so let me read that. If you don't have the Bible, you can follow along on the screen. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you and the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations who come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. You're starting to see why I got Ray to preach this passage. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, You are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, But your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in the household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. Our second reading is from Colossians chapter 2. Verses 6 to 17. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, 
rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Thanks, Pastor Luke. Appreciate that. Great to see everyone here this morning. Um, If you're visiting with us, great to see you as well. Uh, My name is Ray Gunton. I'm one of the leaders or the elders in the church and... It's a privilege and a joy to see what the Lord is doing and has done in our congregation here over the past 18 months or so. Um, What what a great family church to be a part of. Um, I could only dream and pray of what the Lord has done here. Um, I've got a job. Um, I'm not a, a, a paid part of this work. I volunteer my life and time. And I really believe what the Lord's doing here and encourage you to join us. If you're looking for a church, um, this is a great place to be. Uh, Great elders, um, Mick, uh, not because I'm there, I'm referring to the other guys. Um, Diverse group of men, um, we have robust discussions around theology, doctrine, church issues, church matters, uh, but there's such great unity. Um, we, we come from different backgrounds, different perspectives, and we always leave just feeling united and encouraged and a blessing to, to be a part of a, a great team and crew. And so uh, I do encourage you to be part of the work of the Lord here. Genesis 17. I did feel a little set up. Uh, I was just going to bring a knife and a stone and ask all the men to line up uh, this morning. Um, uh, I thought, Pastor Luke, let me preach the next chapter. You can do this one, you know. Um, I'm a volunteer. Surely you shouldn't have to cop the whole chapter on circumcision. Um, As I was praying through it, thinking about it and considering it, uh, I tell you, it dawned on me how much Jewish uh, theology, truth, right through the the heart of Judaism is here and so many wonderful truths and, and I, I needed to narrow it down with the time allotted and just preach what I felt the Lord wanted me to communicate to us as a family, as his body here in officer. So that's what I'm going to endeavour to do. But if you've been with us, you'd know that we've been journeying through this great book, the book of Genesis specifically focusing on the life of this great character of the Old Testament, Abraham. 
We've been looking at his story for some time, not simply because we want to look at history or uh, read some details in the Old Testament, but what we see here is that there's great New Testament church truth for us today that are located in this person's life, in this man's life, in this book in the Bible. And I think you would have noticed with me at least two shocking things in this text. First shocking thing, I think we would all agree, and if we, if we don't agree, then we need to take our church glasses off for a moment and read the Bible, as it were, for the first time. This shocking truth where it says, Abraham, you and your wife, Sarah, are going to have a baby. Now, this guy is 99 years of age. Sarah is 90. That's pretty unbelievable stuff. That's a shocking truth. If that doesn't shock you, this should shock you. Abraham, this is going to be the sign of this covenant. You are to be circumcised. Now, you guys all look too passive and relaxed about that for me. This, this is, can I take you back 4,000 years? This, this is not the time of razor blades and, you know, Swiss army sharp knives. We're talking about a blunt rock and a hard stone, guys. <laughs> guys are cro- crossing their legs. Uh, uh, Come on, you've got to read this and be shocked. And if, if that doesn't shock you as an, as, a, as an older gentleman, what about telling your 13-year-old son, son, come over here as you pull out that blunt rock? <laughs> Is, are you getting shocked yet? <laughs> Hang on, Rick. Stay there, mate. Forty-three years of my life, there has been a number of things that have shocked me over time. One of the things that shocked me, and I I don't remember exactly when it came to my mind, but it was that shock when you realise that there are actually no normal people on planet Earth. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that? You look at somebody from the distance and you think... They just seem to be together. They just seem so normal. How could I ever speak to them? And if you ever take the time to chat with them and speak to them, you realise they have a crazy story. That they've got a crazy uncle who lives up in the Dandenongs with a funny beard and funny hair. And you think, gee, this is normal. We all are not normal. What's that saying? Everyone's normal until you get to know them. Recently, sadly, we had an act of terror, which is which is becoming all too common in in Manchester. And it happens every time whenever there's a serial killer or whenever there's an act of terror, the news reporters go to the local area where this person lived and they ask the question, uh, did you know that this person was like this? And what's the common phrase that we hear the neighbours say about this person? I I had no idea that he was like this. He seemed to be so normal and nice. We'd see him every day. He just didn't make any fuss. And and I can't believe that that person was actually like this. That ought to encourage us about our noisy, obnoxious neighbours. Clearly, they can't be terrorists or serial killers. (laughs) Rejoice with your noisy neighbours. 
Another thing I remember being shocked about, I don't know or remember exactly when, but I was shocked when I realised how older people are strangely right. Do you remember growing up, just looking at older people and just thinking, ah, the old fuddy-duddies, man, I'm 16, I've got life covered, you guys just are past it, you don't understand the technological age that we live in. I remember coming to a point in my life when I looked at older people and realised, you know what, I think they were right. I remember how shocked I was when I thought I was a great parent regarding teenagers before I actually had teenagers. <laughs> you know, I've got my little tribe. I have five daughters, but at the time, three. And, you know, and I just looked at all those uh, people that were ahead of me in the journey with teenagers, and I've got my three that I were kind of in or under control, and I'd look at them thinking, well, if they just did this and that, you know, you know I, I could teach them a few things about parenting, and, and then I had teenagers of my own. How shocked I was. In this passage before us this morning, chapter 17 of the book of Genesis, it's actually the second part, isn't it, of the covenant. The first part is found in Genesis chapter 15. Uh, We covered that on the 7th of May uh, in terms of our Bible reading. I should have got Luke to read that because that's where I read, if you remember, all those... uh, Names those Jesuits and you know termites and Vegemites and torchlights, all the ites, and I, I couldn't pronounce them properly. But it's in that part of chapter fifteen where the Lord makes covenant with Abram, and some time has passed, and now in chapter seventeen we see the sign of the covenant. And I just want to marry or connect those two truths before I really focus in on circumcision that I'm sure we're all excited to hear about today. But what we see here in chapter 17 is the Lord's expectation from Abraham and his descendants in how they were to set themselves apart as recipients of his blessing, of his promise, as a marked people. That they would stand out Abraham and his descendants as a distinct group of people from all peoples on the earth. It was a sign that they would bear in their body and it was a sign greater than that which they would bear in their body, which would not be seen anyway, but it was a marking of their life that would affect them as they lived every single day. But we need to go back to chapter 15, if you don't mind, and if you have your Bible with you, where this covenant which you have to look at the covenant to really make sense of chapter 17. Because chapter 17 is, again, the sign of this covenant found in chapter 15. And I think we'll see some shocking truths here. And when I say shocking, I'm speaking of them being incredible. Now, chapter 15, this covenant, I believe has some of the most important truths or text, perhaps in the entire Old Testament, perhaps even in the Bible. So much so that chapter 15 is quoted in the book of Romans, in the book of Galatians, 
in the book of Colossians and in the book of James. So, so rich filled is this covenant with Abraham that we will make reference to today in chapter 17 that the Apostle Paul in particular reference, references it again and again, or again and again, depending if you went to private or public school, <laughs> because of its rich truth. And he says this in verse 15, uh, chapter 15 rather, verse 5, And the Lord brought him outside and said, this is the Lord speaking to Abraham, look towards heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Think about this. God or Jehovah appears to Abram, who is at this stage 85, his wife is 76 and says, Look at the stars of the sky, so shall your descendants be. So shall your children, your kids be, Abram. This is what I'm going to do through and in you, Abram. And as Abram hears this promise, this unbelievable promise, think about this, he's, he's 86, he's uh, 85 rather, she's 76 They have perhaps been trying to have kids for, I don't know, 50 years, 60 years. They've been barren up until this point. And God says, look at the stars. This is how your descendants are going to be. And when Abraham hears this, he says, verse 6, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. God says, this is going to be your offspring, Abraham, your kids. And Abraham simply says, Lord, I believe. And the Lord looks at that and says, that is credited to your account. That is counted to you, Abraham, as righteousness. That word righteousness is the Hebrew word sodica, which means to be rightly clothed. The amazing thing about being rightly clothed is that we remember in the Genesis account where they realized that they were in fact naked and they became ashamed. And it was the Lord himself that sacrificed an animal in order to cover their Adam and Eve's nakedness and it was Jesus himself that robes us or covers us with his righteousness. But how was it that Abraham earned or got this righteousness? It was simply because he believed. Was it that Abraham kept all the rules? Well, Pastor Luke, over the past couple of weeks with the Mother's Day message and the week before where we focused in on chapter 16, we clearly see that Abraham didn't keep all the rules. In Genesis chapter 12, we see that Abraham lied about his wife, saying that she was in fact his sister. And we're going to see that again in the coming chapters, in chapter 21 and chapter 22, that he will make the same mistake again, say that you're my sister. How was it that the Lord credited Abraham as being righteous? Was it that he kept all the rules? No. Was it because he ate all the right food? You know, paleo, kale only, kosher? No. Was it 
because he donated a kidney to a handicapped person in the Philippines? No. Was it because he had a beard and they're cool today? Fear the beard. No. Was it because he climbed Mount Dandenong via the thousand steps whilst only wearing a pair of shorts in the winter weather, stayed out all night, prayed until he was enlightened by God? Good news. No. Was it because he carried a King James Version Bible, red letter edition, 12 by 14, under the arm, walked to the front row of the church? You'll be glad to know, no. Abraham Church didn't do those things. But what did he do? He believed God. Oh, hallelujah. Do you hear Wayne at the back? Abraham, he's like my Abraham. He's like the church Abraham. You know why? Because that word believed in the Hebrew is the word amen. Now, if you were Pentecostal, you would have said amen then. <laughs> but we are follow, so at least can we get a smile? Um, <laughs> Abraham, how did... The, this is the New Testament church before the New Testament. Some of us should get excited. Some of us that have been brought up in church and we've been browbeaten in our mind about church being filled with all of these rules and regulations and having to keep this and having to keep that in order to please God and this robotic motion of serving God. Here it is, Abraham simply believed that what God said is what God would do. God said, Abraham, I know you're old, but this is what I'm going to do through you. And rather than go... "Mm, He went, amen. You said it, God, I believe it. God said, I like that. That to me, I'm going to credit that as being righteous. The New Testament, Jesus was asked the same question. What do we need to do to be right with God? And John 6, 28, Jesus said, believe on him whom the Father has sent. This is the good news, church. Believe. Why is it good news? Because every religious system, and maybe it's in your heart, it certainly has been in the past in mine, that it's about climbing the mountain in order to please God. You think about even uh, uh, Buddhism. They have this eightfold uh, noble path. Do this, do this, do this and you will find this place of blessing, this place of enlightenment. Islam has the five pillars of faith. Do, 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 and you'll find that place of enlightenment. Hinduism, if you wash enough, if you say these prayers, if you do, 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 then you will come into that place of of shalom, that place of peace. Here in the Bible, we see right from the beginning, it's simply, Amen, God. It's credited as righteous. Hallelujah. Can I encourage all of us today, whatever the Lord is saying to you, whatever he'd be challenging you about, just say, amen, God. I agree with you for my life. Amen? Amen? Oh, don't get too militant about it. (laughs) Second shocker. As we continue on, 
Abraham asks the question, how will I know that me at this age am going to have children? How, how will I know that this is going to take place? And he said to him in verse 8, O Lord, how will I know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, a young pigeon. And he brought these, he cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. A lot of good things here, but want to focus in on a couple. This is a second shocker that we see here, and and I pray it blesses your heart. Abraham again, Lord, how will I know? The Lord says, Abram, bring these animals to me. And what we see here, there's no further instruction given in the scripture. It's like Abram already knows what he's to do. And he cuts these animals in half, and you say, well, why was it that he knew how to do that? Again, if you go back 4,000 years ago, and you were making what was called a contract, an agreement, or a covenant is the Bible word that we use, with somebody, you didn't make that contract or that agreement by signing a piece of paper. You didn't have lawyers that would come on board and sign up or draw up a contract. It wasn't your word is your bond. You didn't shake on it. But in the Old Testament, what you would do when you made an agreement with somebody, is that you would cut covenant. You would take some animals, you would cut them in half, and you'd lay them out on each side, creating a pathway, if you like, down the middle. And what they would do is that as they would cut these animals, they would both parties of this contract, this agreement, would walk through the pathway of these butchered animals and they would meet in the middle and they would grab each other's forearms and they would say to each other, so be it unto me. In other words, these butchered animals, so be it to me if I don't keep, meet halfway, my part, my half, as it were, of this agreement. If I fail... Let me become like these dead animals that we're standing in the middle of. This is how they would cut covenant. And Abraham knows this, and that's why he immediately does this. You imagine doing that today? Want to get a loan for a new car? <laughs> Go into the bank with a chainsaw. The cows start cutting cows up. Some of you are going, that is, that is gross. Some of you guys are going, that's cool, man. Yeah, yeah, dry the skin out on the wall, man. I'll put the head on the, you know, in the garage. Imagine a wedding. In your nice white dress, ladies. Think about it. It'd be a good commitment. Uh, Either stay faithful or Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know? <laughs> As I said, um, I'm only a volunteer here. Um, <laughs> I'm not usually the pastor. In fact, I think Pastor Luke gets me up here to say, you'll, like, you'll really appreciate me more every time Ray gets up. Uh, 
It's the way the eldership works. <laughs> First time a few of you said, Amen. <laughs> Some cultures, they actually do do this, don't they? It happens today. But think about it. This is taking place. Abraham cuts these animals. He prepares them. Birds come down. He shoes them away. And he's waiting for God to meet him. It would appear that God doesn't show up. Let's keep reading. Verse 12, And the sun was going down. A deep sleep fell on Adam. Second reference to deep sleep found only in Genesis, the early chapters. Adam, something being birthed. Something's being birthed here. Let's keep going. And the Lord said to Abraham, verse 13, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in the land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterwards they will come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age and they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Listen to this, verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. So what we see here, Abraham cuts these animals in half. He's working, working, working. He falls asleep. While he's sleeping, God appears with a flaming torch in this hot pot, if you like, a smoking fire pot. And he starts at one end. This is God himself. And he walks to the middle of these carcasses, these butchered animals. But he doesn't stop in the middle. He keeps going all the way through. That's not how covenant works. You meet me in the middle. And yet we see God going the entire journey goes the whole way. And he says to Abraham, this isn't about your faithfulness, about your goodness, about how great you are, but it's the fact that I am faithful. It is the fact that I will go the entire, the whole way for you. I will keep this covenant. Praise God. Oh, but it's saying something else. Even more shocking than that. See, when you cut covenant and you meet in the middle, remember you would say, if I don't keep my half, let me be butchered like these animals. That's how serious I am about this contract. I don't do my half. Let me be butchered. 
So God goes from one end to the other. Saying, Abram, if I don't do my half, Abram, let me be butchered like these animals. But he goes all the way. Saying, Abram, if you don't do your half, let me be butchered like these animals. And in the Old Testament, we have a picture of Calvary, of God himself saying, I will walk the hill, and on Calvary's cross, we see Jesus being butchered, not for the covenant that he broke, but for the covenant that we have broken. Hallelujah. Because Abraham fails again and again and again. His offspring failed. Esau, Jacob, their 12 sons. They sell their brother into slavery. They, They talk of murdering him. There's adultery, isn't there? There's lying, there's cheating, there's scheming. All of this. And what does God do? He keeps his covenant. Hallelujah. Church, good news. The story of Jesus isn't just God's second plan. It was his beginning right from the beginning. Did I say that right? Why would God do this as I wrap it up? Why would he make this kind of plan even in the Old Testament? I believe to give us faith. Too often we can read this book simply looking for mentors. What about David? What about Abraham? What about Peter? What about Paul? All of these are men, and like men today, people will let you down. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He will never let you down. And isn't that, as I've said before, why we have four Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the beginning of the New Testament. Every other book we get once, but the story of Jesus we are given it four times because you just can't get enough. Jesus, 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 Jesus. If you look to me, if you look to men, you may falter and you may struggle. Put your faith in him and you will go from strength to strength. Hallelujah. Philippians 1.6 he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. He's not going to stop halfway. Jude 24, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless on that day, to him be all the glory. John 10:28, I have you in the, in the palm of my hand and no one shall be able to snatch you out. Jesus says. Not only faith, But this truth is here also to give us hope. Because like Abraham, from time to time, we will all fail. You live long enough, you're going to make a mistake. So sometimes we can live our life, we can come to church heavy-hearted, feeling quite condemned, thinking that God's looking at us, thinking, I can't believe that such and such has done that again. 
just can begin to live our life as if God is simply tolerating us, but that he doesn't really, really love us. God, God, God's just going to get fed up with us one day. He, he, he can't be fed up. He's already up. Sometimes I feel like when people say to me, oh, then again, I feel like just saying them to make them perhaps snap out of it. No, you're right. In fact, the Lord spoke to me then and said, he's had enough of you. You need to leave now. In fact, give me your Bible. You're not to read that ever again. <laughs> Off you go. That's not going to happen. And I think, I think, and I think as parents, we should reflect on our own children to know that the Lord, a perfect father, if, he, if, if we love our kids, this is what Jesus says as well, how much more does our heavenly father love us? Let's not use our, our earthly fathers that maybe we were brought up in a way like me. I didn't have a dad for a good part of my life where you grow up and you think, ah, it's, if he's anything like my dad, I don't want to know him. Can I tell you, our heavenly father is perfect in his love towards all of us. Isn't it amazing when you see new babies of the born and they grow up through the toddler years? Facebook, everyone puts pictures and, and, and often you'll see a picture of, 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 of a potty and there's a poo in the potty. And they're like, yes, there's a poo. It's exciting. They did wee-wees. Oh, well, come on, if you're a parent, you know, it's exciting. No more nappies. They cost a lot of money. How much does the Lord rejoice in us? We still have one that comes into our bed from time to time. I'm not going to name names. But I don't know about you, but it's like when the child comes into the bed from time to time, they don't want to lay, you know, like vertical. They want to do the H thing. I want to touch mummy and touch daddy. And it's like they're playing Twister in the bed. And all you want to do is get some sleep. We don't wake up in the year, you have a bad sleep, the kids are snuggling in, touching, playing with an ear, playing with air. And you're just, you're just thinking, you know, you don't love them any less. You don't say, listen, you, you, you stay in the corner until I forgive you for last night. You love them. Zephaniah 3.17 Jehovah thy God is in the midst a mighty one will save he will rejoice over you with joy he will rest in you with love great truth in there and he will joy over you with seeing think about that when the Lord sees you arise in the morning he joys over you song. That's amazing to me. Meditate on that for a while. And he's saying, isn't he, I went all the way for you. Put your hope in me. Faith, hope, but also love. God has done all of this for love because he knows us. He knows that that's how we respond. He doesn't want our heads, church. He wants our hearts. And he does not get our hearts through rules and regulations. Rules and laws 
never produce love. Think about a prison. A prison where there are so many rules, so many laws. Does this cause prisoners to love their guards? See them walk up to the prison guard covered in, you know, tattoos and big and angry and just start crying. Thank you so much for all the rules we have here. I realise they're for my safety and my betterment. I love you. I just wanted to appreciate you today. I'm telling you now, in prison it doesn't happen. You say, well, I haven't been to prison. I'm not sure, not sure what you're talking about, Mr Gunton. All right, think about when a policeman pulls you over with maybe a laser or something on the side of the road and you get a ticket for speeding. How do you feel when that police officer hands you that piece of paper? If you you don't know what that feels like, ask Ray Granger. He'll tell you. (laughs) He'll tell you what that's like. If you you don't want to ask him, you can ask Roland Walker. Uh, How do you feel when that copper hands you that speeding fine of $389. You just look at him through the window and say, thank you so much for that ticket. Thank you. I just, the rules are to preserve public safety within the community and I'm just so grateful that you are concerned about my safety in this car. Enough to slow me down. No, no, you're not. What about him? What about him? You got me with him. He's still going. Well, you chased him. What about the real crooks, eh? What about the real yeah, spending time giving us tickets, good people? What about the real crooks out there? Get them, right? Now I haven't given a ticket out in a long time, but that's I remember. That's what it was like. What I'm saying is this: laws don't lead to love. You know what leads to love? We love him because he first loved us. Luke seven forty seven. to whom much is forgiven, that person loves much. When you see, like we see here in Genesis 15, God's precious covenant, believe, amen, righteous, I will go the whole way for you. As that grips your heart, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, doesn't he? He says, it's the love of God that compels me. Paul says, the reason that I preach, the reason I'm willing to live this life, not a prosperous life, not a worldly life, it's not because I just this is my career, it's the love of God. When I think of what he's done for me, it just drives me. It overwhelms me. Love is what makes the difference. That brings us to circumcision. (laughs) Very quickly. Surely we didn't want to spend too long here. Uh, But we must because we want to be true to Scripture and it is before us. That's all chapter 15, isn't it? What about chapter 17? A number of amazing things. We see new names in chapter 17. 
the third L name of God, El Shaddai, almighty, many-breasted Shaddai. The name of God saying, I am the sufficient, I am the provider. When you have limitations, I am unlimited. It's the first time we see that Hebrew name for the Lord. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. Exalted father becomes the father of many nations. Princess, some commentators will tell you it means contentious then she becomes princess. I don't know, but H, what I do know is the letter H is the name added to Abraham, added to Sarah. It's the fifth letter, five fingers, fifth letter in the Bible, biblical numerology, five is the number of grace. And you see grace, grace, again, given to these people. There's only one person... Isaac is meaning laughter, he is there. There's only one person in that chapter that doesn't get a new name and that's Ishmael because that which is flesh is always flesh. But circumcision. Circumcision, this sign of the covenant. Abraham, walk before me, be blameless. This is a cutting of the flesh which presents to us a type of community. Walk before me, Abraham. Be blameless. I'm calling you and your offspring to take this sign that will mark you, that will make you different. Now walk before me in light of faith, hope and love. Circumcision has three elements. It's passive in that eight-day-year-old children were to be circumcised. It is active. People that were alive then and there, they were all to be circumcised. And I, I call it an objective aspect. And that is, when you died, you died circumcised. Beyond your life, even in the grave, when you no longer had control, that act that, that, that which took place still affects you for all time and eternity, speaking again of God's love. For kids, circumcision, it's passive. You don't deserve this love, but God says, I'm going to give it to you. It changes us, therefore it's active. And God's love is enduring, even in death. He will not let go of us. Hallelujah. How would that love, if you believed it in your own heart, change your life today? Pastor Luke read Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through to 17 where we see in the New Testament it makes it clear as well as history in the early church that there is a new sign. Men, you'll be glad to know we no longer have to be circumcised. That bloody sign is gone because the shedding of blood has been completed by Jesus. That sign associated with seed, with reproduction, no longer has currency, 
Because Jesus has come. So how do we walk blamelessly or be set apart as a different community? It's through what was on our video. Baptism. It's the deliberate sign that every Christian child of God makes as Jesus did himself to say, I want to be a part of a community that has an unconditional love, that has an active love because of a God's love that endures forever. He grabs me even in death. I'm marked as a child, as a person that belongs to him. I tell you, you will find, brothers and sisters, identity in knowing that love deep, deep down in your heart. I was reading a story by William H. Williamson, and he says this. A group of ministers were debating the morality of abortion. One of the ministers argues that abortion is justified in some cases because young teenage girls cannot possibly be expected to raise children by themselves. But a black minister, a pastor of a large African-American congregation, takes the other side of the question. He says, we have girls, young girls, who have had this happen to them. I have a 14-year-old in my congregation who had a baby last month. We're going to baptise that child next Sunday. He added, do you really think that she's capable of raising a little baby? Another minister asked. Of course not, he replied. No 14-year-old is capable of raising a baby. For that matter, not many 30-year-olds are qualified either. A baby is too difficult for any one person to raise by herself. So what do you do with the babies, they asked. Well, we baptise them so that we can raise them together. And in case of that 14-year-old, we have given her baby to a retired couple who have enough time and enough wisdom to raise, um, to raise children. And they can raise the mama along with her baby. That's how we do it. Here we see the gospel fully embodied, if you like, in a community that is so transformed by Scripture that they say, let's be a community that cares for one another. He says this, community, the congregation's assumption of responsibility for a pregnant teenager, the cross, young girl's endurance of shame and the physical difficulty of pregnancy, along with the retired couple's sacrifice of their peace and freedom for the sake of the helpless child. New creation, the promise of baptism, a sign that the destructive power of the world is broken and that the child received grace, the grace of God and hope for the future. There in this microcosm is the ethic of the New Testament. When the community of God's people are living in responsible, responsible obedience to God's word, we will find again and again such grace-filled links between the story of Scripture and its performance in our midst.
Hallelujah. That is circumcision of our hearts today in baptism. It's not a ritual, but it is people that have been transformed by the cross of faith, hope and love that are wanting to live out the gospel kingdom every day in the community in which we live. May God bless his word to our hearts. Why don't we pray as the band comes? Jesus, this day, I pray that those of us that have been immersed in the gospel story all of our life, to the degree, Lord, that maybe the gospel has lost its freshness, its amazing grace, may we see today afresh your love, your sacrifice, And may we all say amen to you. May we see afresh that you are the way, the truth and the life and may your love truly transform us. May we be a community here at Follow that don't simply gather Sunday by Sunday but may we be involved in one another's lives in a way that displays your love, care, grace and service one to another. May we be committed to this covenant today. Pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.